For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. All right, folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am very excited to discuss uh, the CBA, uh, some of the cap logistics that we're about to get hit with in this new free agency period. I know that a lot of people are like, Ryan, we don't want to talk about it. We, want to, we just want to know who we're getting. We just want to know what's going on. Uh, but to help me break that all down and to do it, I think in the best way possible, uh, reprising his role on the Pickaxe and Roll podcast is Jake Coyne at Bronco Squatch on Twitter. Uh, Jake, thank you so much for hopping on with me, man. We're making this an annual tradition. Oh, yeah. I'm happy to be here. Last year, I know we went over uh, all the names, talked about KCP before he was a nugget. Uh, and so... You know, excited to get into it again, even coming off a great season. So, it's going to be fantastic, man. And uh, obviously, the the perspective is a little bit different this time around. It's a little bit of a change, and it's uh, coming off of a win, coming off of what we. I think. I think last free agency and last off season was best case scenario for Denver in a lot of different ways. I didn't know if that's how it would be. I, I didn't know that that's what was going to happen, uh, but. As it turns out, a lot of the moves that we recommended, a lot of the stuff that we we talked about actually came to pass and just the general plan came to pass. So I think it was good information, uh, just kind of going back and looking at it when we, when we ultimately talked about it. But uh, just for the people, uh, the reason why I'm talking to you on this, the reason why I'm asking you these questions, why we're, we're, we're getting an expert analysis here is, is you've had some consulting work and you've, you've done some work uh, before. So can, can you just tell the people just a little bit about what you do and 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 why you know so much about all of this stuff? Yeah, for sure. I mean, growing up, felt like I always had a passion for roster building and stuff. I remember using ESPN's trade machine right when it was released originally and, and always playing on it. And so, you know, eventually I got old enough. I read through the CBA, done it a couple times now. Uh, while I was in college, I did some consulting work unpaid uh, with the Sacramento Kings. I got a buddy over there. Um, you know, shout out to those guys. They had a great season. I was really happy to see that. And, uh, you know, I'm out of college now for a couple of years, work in the sports data field, um, work with a really great company. Uh, we just had a guy get hired by the Warriors last year. Um, we have people pick us off occasionally, but I'm really happy with where I'm at now and, uh, you know, looking forward to what the future holds and, and the CBA stuff will be really interesting now with this new one. Yeah, you're leading right into it. We've got a new CBA. Uh, it's the first time since 2017 that a new CBA has really been, uh, has, has come to pass. And I think a lot of people are at least a little bit confused on, on what to expect. And you have a background with this. You have a lot of knowledge with this. And I wanted to kind of rely on that knowledge a little bit to help explain to everybody that's a Denver Nuggets fan that cares enough 
about the, the logistics and cares enough about why Denver is making some of the, the decisions that they are. Uh, so I wanted to just kind of get your opinion. You and I were talking about this beforehand. Haven't actually read it. Haven't actually seen the full thing and, and knowing exactly what the, the nitty gritty details are. But a lot of the big details have been leaked. So do you think you could start with just some of the new things that, that caught your eye about the CBA and why people are talking about it now? Yeah, for sure. You know, like you said, I think we'll find out a lot more once this CBA is released to everybody. Uh, I would say from the biggest bird's eye point of view, uh, this CBA doesn't want to get rid of expensive teams, but it does want to really restrict expensive teams that are built from free agency or from other exterior ways. You know, they're not really restricting teams that draft well um, and that can do those things really strongly, but they do want to restrict some of those teams that have a hard time drafting well. And so maybe they're in a big market and they're able to pull in free agents, things like that, you know, and there's a lot of really little details that go into why those changes are happening. Um, but I would say that's the biggest overall change is just, we want more parity in the NBA. Um, and to do that, we're going to restrict some of these teams. And for a team like the Nuggets that just won the championship, that, uh, that I wouldn't consider them this big market power or anything like that, but they have kind of a big market salary in, in terms of the, the championship level core that they're bringing in and bringing back. And they have all these guys that they're trying to retain. And, and usually in a situation for a team like Denver in the previous CBA, they would have a little bit more spending power. They would have a little bit more of an ability to add salary to what they're already bringing in. Now they don't really have that. Now things are going to get a little bit more restrictive. And uh, there, there are a couple of things that I can note. Like the, the taxpayer MLE is a little bit less. Um, they have uh, different restrictions on trades that they can make. Uh, but a lot of this comes in with the super tax apron uh, that has been bandied about. It's probably, I think, what is the the central reason why uh, some of these things are happening and, and why when you're talking about what teams can do uh, as these, these large market teams, the super tax apron is what we're talking about here. So can you explain to the people what the super tax apron is and maybe why it matters? Yeah. So there's a couple... Now there's four really important lines you think of when you're thinking of salary cap. So there's the actual salary cap, which if you surpass that, you can't sign guys using cap space, things like that. Salary cap's 136 million this year. Yep. Yeah. And then there is your luxury tax line. Um, and that one is set at 165 million this year. Yep. Yep. If you go over that, you're paying extra money for every dollar you're spending. Then you go even further, you have your first tax apron. Now that one's yep. at 172 million. Yep. Uh, there's a number of restrictions involved with that one. If you receive a guy in a sign in trade, you can't exceed that number. Um, if you use the big MLE, uh, you can't exceed that number and um, things like that. And then now they're introducing this super tax apron, and it's $17.5 million higher than the first tax apron. And so this season, it's about $189.5 million. And that's where things start to get really restrictive. Um, if you go above that, 
you know, you won't have your any MLE, you know, you'll be restricted to minimum thing, minimum contracts and things like that. Um, and there's also language in the CBA that we don't know a lot about yet, um, but about draft picks being frozen, about not being able to trade a pick seven years in the future. If you're over that super tax, you can only go six years in the future. Uh, these are things that we'll find out exactly what they are when the CBA comes out, but a lot of restriction restrictions when you get over that super tax apron. So it's actually funny. I, I thought that the super tax apron line was different for Denver this or like for teams this year. I thought it was 182 million. Am I wrong about that? 182.5. Uh, let me, t- let me double check here. I thought I saw that on spot track. Um, because that would be a big difference. And that would, I think that would change my perspective on, on some of the actual um, things that Denver could do uh, from, from a logistics standpoint and like whether they could actually use that taxpayer MLE in addition to bringing back Bruce Brown and things like that and just different things that they have at their disposal. Yeah, no doubt. I'm pulling up. I have my own little set of cap sheets here that I keep. Uh, yeah, so it actually is. It's 17 and a half over the luxury tax line. So yeah, you're right. It would be 182 and a half. Got it. Okay. You had it as at the, the 172 mark. Okay. That, that makes, that makes more sense. Yeah. That's, um, that's why I should have that pulled up while I'm talking here. But, okay. So 162, 172, 182.5 basically. Yep. That's it. Um, okay. So, or 165, 182.5. That's, that's better. Yep. Okay, so here's why that matters. Here's why that matters in in my mind. And you have your own salary cap sheets. I've I've just updated my own heading into uh, what is expected to be a very tight offseason for Denver. Right now, with an estimation for Julian Strother's rookie max at 120%, I have Denver's projected salary with 10 guys on their route, actually 11 technically with uh, Gillespie on the two-way. I have at 166 million for their projected salary. And that's just based off of the spot track info. Anybody can look that up. Um, but the most important thing for Nuggets fans to know is that they are 16 million away right now from the super tax apron. And that's your number. That's your number, right? If you're a team that's trying to have as much flexibility as they possibly can. You are trying to stay under that. You're trying to avoid being restricted. And for a team like the Nuggets that is trying to be a championship contender, that's what I'm worried about. What happens to Denver if they cross that super tax line? And and what happens to Denver just based off of this new CBA? Like what, what are you seeing as the biggest ramifications right now? Yeah, I think the biggest ramifications have to do with, you know, when you bring in a free a free agent, when you're a contender, if it's a buyout guy or a guy like Bruce who signs a one and one, you're limited in the next offseason to just non-bird rights on them, which is only a 20% raise. And what this CBA is doing is it's lowering the amount of the taxpayer MLE to $5 million, which is less than it has been in the past. Right. And so between that and how much more the normal MLE is worth. It's a little bit over 12. I think it's going to make it really hard for contenders to keep guys that they get on the buyout market or to keep guys that they sign to one and one deals like Bruce. And so the really hard thing for Denver in this case is 
you probably can't bring back Bruce and sign another MLE guy just financially. That's going to be really hard to make work. Um, I personally am of the opinion Bruce will probably leave. I know a lot of people hope for otherwise. Uh, I think I've just been of the mindset that I'll believe it when I see it. Um, but yeah, if Bruce leaves, now you don't have like a $7 million MLE like you would have last year. Right. Now you just have $5 million, uh, assuming you stay under that super tax apron. So uh, just working around the edges is going to become a lot more difficult for teams like Denver. Yeah, I'm seeing that as an issue. Uh, general sense that you start to get from talking around with people is that Bruce may be a little bit less likely that he's coming back than I think when immediately after the parade when he's drinking champagne and basking in the championship glory and whatnot. It's like you start to realize, oh, wow, this could actually be life-changing money for Bruce Brown. And that's a really big deal that he's probably not going to want to mess with and that Denver can't really figure out. Like that's that's just not something that they can do unless they like on the off chance they decided to trade Michael Porter Jr. for nothing. Like that's the only thing that you could really do to free up that space or I guess KCP for nothing. But like, look, I that's one thing that's that's definitely one of those things that Denver is going to have as an issue. The other is that we'll talk about this a little bit in the next segment, but Bringing back a guy like Jeff Green, who makes $5 million right now, it's just a little bit harder. It's, it's just a little, like, all of these margins start to really add up. And something as small as bringing back Jeff Green, it becomes a little bit more difficult to stay under the super tax apron because even if you plug in these minimum contracts around that, like, you're, you're still cutting it close. So I, I'm a little bit worried. I, I'm a little bit worried about what Denver's going to have happen What because – they can't really move a lot of the contracts that they have. And like all those guys are useful, except I, I, there's one guy that I think we could probably talk about getting traded to free up a little bit of money, but that's, that's just one guy. And it's actually, it's, it's a minimal amount of flexibility. Yeah. I really think the best thing for Denver, uh, you know, in this next week is to know earlier if Bruce is going to leave you know, if his agent could come and say, you know, hey, guys, we think we're going to get offers in this range. We're probably out of here. Uh, that would be really valuable to know early so that Denver can target some guys with the MLE um, so that they can work around the, the edges of the roster with guys like Jeff Green, like you're talking about. Uh, so, you know, it doesn't mean Bruce will sign one minute into free agency. But if Denver at least has the knowledge that he's likely gone, I think that would go a long way to helping uh you know, I, I remember like the Jeremy Grant situation kind of drug out a little bit. And I think it yeah. really hurt Denver's ability to replace him that offseason. So uh, you always want to know those things as quick as possible. 100%. Um, they've got an extra two-way contract to play around with. Colin Gillespie is going to be on a two-way. I think they'll probably put one of these draft picks on a two-way. Probably Hunter Tyson would be my guess. Um, and then they'll keep the other one open. That would, that would be my my guess just as to how they handle that. But uh, we're, we're going to find out. We're, we're going to find out what they do. And are there any other things that you think that we should mention with this CBA that, that we haven't covered yet, just in terms of what it's going to mean for Denver this offseason? Yeah, so I guess just a few things since Denver did draft two guys in the second round. And I think I agree with you that one of them will end up being a two-way Um but one of the new things in the CBA is there's a second round pick exception now to help you sign those players. 
Uh, in the past, if you wanted to sign them to longer term deals, uh, like three plus years, you would have to either use some of your MLE or you'd have to use some cap space. Um, but now there's these new rules that you can use this second round pick exception. Um, and we recently got the numbers on that. I have them here uh, for a three-year deal. So if the Nuggets wanted to give Jalen Pickett a three-year deal, uh, his cap hit would be about $1.8 million this year. Okay. And if they wanted to give him a four-year deal, it would just it would be just over $2 million. Uh, so that would be in place of just handing him a minimum deal, which would come in around probably a little less than a million dollars. Uh, I can I can check here. It would be a little over a million, 1.1. 1. 1. Okay. So, but you can't give him as long of a deal in that case. And so this exception allows you to sign him to a longer deal, uh, push out their free agency. Uh, so that's something I'd keep an eye out for, for possibly Jalen Pickett, is if they want to use this exception to give him a longer deal. Uh, it'll tack on about seven to 900,000 on his cap hit this year. Uh, but that's not really a huge price to pay for an extra year of uh, control before free agency. Yeah, and I think the the minimum, est- like the estimated minimum that I had for this year that I'm running with was just over two million. Uh, I think it was 1.83 million last year for uh, that cap hit for a lot of those guys. So I just estimated a little bit of growth on that end. But yep. uh, yeah, I mean, given that, like it would make sense for Denver to probably just give him that second round pick exception. If you're going to make a habit of doing it, you're probably going to want to take advantage. And that's probably a good way to keep these young guys around a little bit longer. Um, that's that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at with it. And I think that we have a lot to discuss in terms of Denver's current roster and what that means for them. Um, but unless you have anything else, let's take a break. Um, and then when we come back, we're going to go over the current roster, some of the holes and some of the free agents and what that's going to look like. But first, Everybody, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook. Uh, We're changing the game. Help your bets stay hot this summer with Superbook Sports, the most trusted name in sports gambling with a direct line to Las Vegas. And now you can use promo code MILEHIGH to score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, Superbook will match your first bet up to $250 with promo code MILEHIGH. All you got to do, as I take this banner off the screen... Uh, all you got to do is download that Superbook Sports app and enter the promo code MILEHIGH and you'll get 250 bucks courtesy of Superbook. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Joined by my guy, uh, Jake Coyne, Bronco Squatch. We've done some great content over the course of these last couple of years. We actually did one last, uh, like the previous offseason. Uh, that I, I didn't end up going back to listening to that one, but we've, we're now on year three of doing this together, and I think that's really cool. That is a very exciting piece of this. Uh, I, I like the idea of us continuing to establish a nice rapport on on the off-season talk because this is the right time like like you said this is your time to really go about this and it's 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 a great time to have somebody who does this for a living uh tell the people if you can 
one of the projects that you have working that you try to do every single year? Um, well, the PDF. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, in my in my day to day job, I work for a sports data company called Stats Perform. Um, it's not a lot, not a lot of this type of work, but um, it frees me up to look at a lot of stats. I get to know a lot of guys. Um, and so, you know, one of the things I like to do every off season is I put together an off season report um, and it's in a big PDF file. Some years are longer than others, but uh, you know, this year I'm putting it out this week. So I guess there's a slight announcement on it, you know, when it, what day this week, I guess we'll see. Uh, I'm trying to gather as much information on this CBA as I can before I put it out. But, uh, you know, I really enjoy going through and seeing what different types of scenarios the Nuggets can go through. You know, if Bruce comes back, if he doesn't come back, if they trade someone like Zeke Naji, if they don't trade him, you know, how can they shape this roster to give themselves their best chance at repeating? Um, And, you know, I do that every year. Some years I feel like I get pretty close to what they actually end up doing. Last year, I highlighted KCP before he was a nugget, things like that. Um, other years, I'm not as close. So it's always it's always fun to go back and see uh, what they end up doing. It is fun. And, and I had a pretty good time going back and thinking about everything that we we talked about. And I, I saw some of the graphics that I made with the, the free agency and the trade targets. And that was pretty cool. But being able to go over it and being able to, to kind of check our work on that. I, I felt pretty good about the path that we took. And, and I, I think that ultimately like we, we didn't do anything, but like it, it was, it was nice to be kind of on the same page of what actually happened. So really good stuff. Um, now let's transition into the current roster. I'm just going to pull up the, these guys real quick here. Starters, pretty easy. Murray, KCP, Porter, Gordon, Joker. That is going to stick around for the foreseeable future. That All those guys are under contract. That was one of the great things that Calvin Booth did as soon as he traded for KCP was he signed him to an extension and got him for this next year as well as a player option the year after that. Don't know whether he takes it, but we'll just like, hopefully he's too valuable for that. That would be great. I think I think Nuggets fans are, are perfectly okay if that's what happens. Um, but let me ask you this: Jamal Murray has two more years on his deal. He is due for a veteran extension, or at least eligible for a veteran extension. Do you happen to have the numbers on hand of what that would be, or are we are we estimating on that based off of the CBA right now? Yeah, I do have it here. Um... So this offseason, he's only eligible for a three-year extension on top of the two years he currently has. Uh, that would come in at a hundred and just a little bit under 150 million across three years. Um, Pretty good on, on just the extension part, to be yeah. clear. So not not the next two years, but just the extension part. Um, I think Denver will put it on the table this offseason. Um, but I don't think Murray will accept it. Uh, the reason being that, you know, with the playoffs he had and everything, if Jamal were to make an all NBA team this next year, um, it opens him up to a designated player extension, uh, which those are like your 35% maxes as opposed to 30%. Um, so, uh, just off the top of my head next year, he would probably for three years, 
for the three years, just under 150 million, it would be this year. If he were to get the designated player eligibility, those three years would probably jump up to like 160 something million. So it's a, it's a decent little chunk of change that he can make uh, if he if he were to make an All NBA team this year. So uh, I think Murray will politely say no to the 140 something million dollars they'll put on the table this off season. Um, but you know, I think all signs point to him liking it in Denver. And so I think next off season they'll revisit and I bet they get one done then. Yeah, hopefully so. I, I definitely would love to see him around as a nugget for the rest of his career. Uh, obviously since he, he hasn't made an all NBA team yet, he will try for that. There's, there's no doubt that he can get that, but it's also possible that he doesn't make an all-star team. And yeah. we, we've seen that with him and we've, we've seen what he like the progression that he usually goes through during the regular season, building up to the playoffs and the way that Denver kind of plays, they, they play more through other guys during the regular season and then play through him almost more extensively in the playoffs. So I don't know whether he's actually going to get that. Maybe he, maybe he does benefit from this run and can capitalize on that, but it wouldn't surprise me just based off of having already t- torn his ACL that he would take the security, like just, just, being able to say like lock that in, be like, hey, I'm I'm making 150 million here with with this, and I'm I'm locking that down. Uh, obviously, with the designated player, that can go up to five years, like a, a five year extension. So you're even tacking on a couple of years beyond what you're talking about. So it wouldn't just be uh, 150 million; it would be 275, 290 million, or something like that. That if he were to like make an all NBA team, he would have that Bradley Beal kind of money. That is what, what he'd be going for. So that's a that that's a, at least something that Nuggets fans should be thinking about. And hopefully you get Jamal Murray to lock in on that extension. I think I think that's what you're hoping for yeah. as a Nuggets fan. But also like like look, it's it's up to him. And then that'll be that'll be what he decides. But uh that's really what I'm thinking for the starters. Um transitioning to the bench here only 10 guys right now on, on that I can say are guaranteed for full-time bench spots. Uh, Christian Brown, Julian Strother, Peyton Watson, Vlako Chanchar, Zeke Naji. Um, Strother obviously is going to slide into that rookie deal. Pretty straightforward on what that looks like most of the time. Um, two-way bench spots. I have Colin Gillespie there right now. Um, I forgot that he was on a two-year two-way. I had been talking about him as a free agent, but apparently he's on a two-year two-way contract as opposed to being on just the one year. Um, so that's locked in for that. And then the unknowns are Jalen Pickett and Hunter Tyson. And they could be full-time guys. They could be bench guys or uh, two-way guys. And we'll, we'll just have to see what that looks like. But right, like we talked about in the first segment, you would expect Jalen Pickett to be full-time and Hunter Tyson to be a two-way or at least one and one Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> those things are hard to project. Uh, I would just guess that that would be what ends up happening. I definitely think they'll probably go into summer league um, in their minds thinking we have one for sure two-way guy and Colin Gillespie. We'll see what else happens. Um, you have Jack White, who I you know, would guess at this point will probably be with them in summer league. Uh, you'll have several guys from the Grand Rapids Gold attending there and playing with the Nuggets, I'm sure. And so, you know, I think they'll use that as part of their evaluation in determining, you know, do we move 
pick it up to a full-time spot or Tyson up to a full-time spot, things like that. Um, but yeah, now that there's three of those available, uh, it really gives you a lot of options on, on who you can use there. Yeah. Having, having the flexibility to play around with that, I think is huge for Denver, especially kind of with adding multiple second round picks this time around. If they see somebody in the summer league that they're like, yeah, we need that guy. Like they, they could certainly do that as well. Um, as CT mentions here, uh, Armand Franklin got an exhibit 10 deal as well. So he could absolutely be somebody who just elevates into a two-way. Uh, we will see what that looks like. But I do think that Denver, like they, they have the flexibility on the very back end of their roster, but what they're really missing is the veteran backups. They're, they're missing kind of that tier. If we kind of go back through it, you got the starters, which are pretty set in stone. You've got Christian Brown, Julian Strother, Peyton Watson, Vlako Chanchar, Zeke Naji. Four of those guys are on rookie contracts, and that's that's a lot of it. And uh, Vlako Chanchar is the other guy, and he's he's good. He's He may not be a perfect bench guy, though. He wasn't in the playoff rotation this last year. And then that's, like, that's what you've got. So free agents are these guys. Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan, Reggie Jackson, Thomas Bryant, Ish Smith, and Jack White. That's what we're looking at right now if you're if you're a Nuggets fan. And that's where I think the questions for Denver have to start. Uh, we don't know. Like Bruce Brown is almost his own category because I think Denver can only really offer him one thing that makes sense. It's the one plus one player option that he then opts out of and then gets that MLE. And that's that's kind of what, what we're the, the Bobby Portis extension is, is what we're. We're coining that, I guess. Uh, that's funny. That was not meant to be a pun, but I guess it was, Jake Coin. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, in an ideal world, you know, and I always root for players to get paid. And, uh, you know, I don't have any problem with players leaving to, to get as much as they're worth. So, you know, I don't say this. I don't say this to, you know, attack Bruce in any way. But I'm just saying in an ideal world, Bruce does come back. Um, and he would come back for just a little bit under 7.8 million. You do the one plus one next year, he can opt out and get a 75% raise on that. Um, and they could do a longer deal with him. Then um, when you look at the total, like three or four year earnings though, he'd still be sacrificing probably 10 to 12 million, depending on what you think he's going to get this off season. Uh, but yeah, I definitely think he's in his own class among those guys where you say, hey, Bruce, we will give you anything we can give you, which is this number. We'd love to have you back. Um, whereas some of those other guys, I, I don't think you're giving them the max you can give all of them. I think it's more of a negotiation for those other guys. For sure. Um, yeah, that's that's a tough one. Uh, that is that is a tough one to think about. Um, I think the other thing with Bruce, obviously, is the it's the actual risk that he runs of saying, yeah, we, we will definitely give you the one plus one and we'll definitely offer it as a, as a full MLE when, when it comes up next. And then Bruce tears his ACL during this season, during this upcoming year. And, and you're left with, okay, so what's the best thing for the Denver nuggets now? And is that like that directly Cohen, like that directly conflicts with what would be the best thing for Bruce Brown and, and what you agreed to previously. So those kinds of things happen in business all the time. And, and it, it really tests you if you have to 
go back on your word or if you're even thinking on going back on your word. So it's for that reason that I'm 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 going to make the official prediction here that Bruce Brown is gone. Um, that sucks. It's not what Nuggets fans want to hear. But there are so many layers to this that I think that Nuggets fans, they get. They understand. If you could make guaranteed money, if you're Bruce Brown, somebody who has not made a bunch of guaranteed money before, you go do it. You, 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 you say, thank you for delivering us a championship. And we hope you have a great rest of your career. We would love to keep you. Everybody would love to keep you. The problem is the, the cap logistics. It is not something that Denver can control. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and just to kind of tack on to this whole thing, uh, my personal projections for Bruce are that he'll get somewhere between 12 and 16 million for the first year of this upcoming deal. Um, we know from rumors that Dallas could be offering him the MLE, which is a little over 12 million. Teams like Cleveland, they'll have access to it. I could see them offering it as well. Um, teams like New York, even. Uh, and the other thing on top of that, where which is where the up to 16 million part comes in here, there is a chance that some team tries to acquire Bruce in a sign and trade. Um, and in a case like that, Denver can bring in people if they're sign and trading someone away, and that doesn't restrict mm. you at all. Um, so, you know, for example, when Jeremy Grant left for Detroit, uh, Denver did a sign and trade where I think they traded just the draft rights to somebody from a while back and they created a, an, a TPE traded player exception for Jeremy Grant. So they, they traded him away, but they weren't restricted at all because they didn't sign and trade someone to get them. They just signed and traded someone away. And so there's certain teams that don't have cap space to give Bruce like 15 million, but there are teams that I think are far enough below that first tax apron that they could acquire Bruce in a sign and trade. Uh, a couple of the teams I'm looking for in that case uh, would be also be like a, a Dallas, depending on how much Kyrie gets. Uh, I mentioned Cleveland, Memphis, depending on what else they do in theirs. Uh, Minnesota will probably be a little bit too expensive now that they got Nas Reed. Um, but teams like that, they could always try and get Bruce in a sign and trade as well. Would you sign and trade if you were if you were Denver? Would you sign and trade Bruce Brown to Dallas for Javale McGee and a pick, like at the price of business, to do that? Because I, I think that makes a degree of sense. Uh, what type of pick are we talking? Are we talking like a pretty a, valuable pick? Like because he he makes like five and a half million or so. J, Javale McGee does. Yeah, um, I mean, it'd be getting it's like a get out of jail free for them. So they they'd probably have to. Uh, add something, something juicy, like a high second or even like a heavily lottery protected first, something like that. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know if you'd be able to get a first out of it. Typically teams don't get a lot back in sign and trades. Uh, I definitely think if they're offering you a high second, I would take that deal. Uh, Cause you could absorb JaVale into a, the Monte Morris traded player exception and create a new trade exception with, uh, Bruce Brown's outgoing salary, which could be like 15 million. Um, and, you know, traded traded player exceptions don't always end up getting used. They can be overrated sometimes, but I think they're good to have, especially with where the CBA is going. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would do something like that uh, for sure. It's better than taking back, you know, a bad contract or something like that.
Who's another team that kind of falls into that category for you? In the sign and trade category? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a couple that I listed here, depending what happens with with Damian Lillard, Portland could maybe be in that category, hmm. which also depends on like Jeremy Grant and things like that as well. Um, Chicago, they could be in that category where they could look to acquire him in a sign and trade. Uh, they could use someone that's more of has more of an ability to play like a combo guard slash forward. So I could see that. Um, and then I'd say probably Memphis too. Um, Memphis is tough because that's with Marcus Smart already there, but it still makes a degree of sense for sure uh, for them to just try to get better. Um, uh, John Conchar would be a great return guy. That would be awesome. That would be awesome if you're Denver. Just just sign and trade for John Conchar, get him free, and they get Bruce Brown, and that's – that feels like a good price for doing business if I'm if I'm Denver on that. Yeah, that's the thing, you know, speaking to Nuggets fans here, if if they do end up signing and trading him away, you know, don't be expecting it to be like, oh, we get a Bruce Brown type of return. Like, no, that's not how sign and trades work. You're not going to get like equal value as far as skill. Um, it's more just to help you have some flexibility and help that other team sign a player that they couldn't otherwise get. So, so yeah, someone like, John Conchar, you know, things like that sounds underwhelming because you're giving away Bruce Brown, but in all reality, you weren't going to be able to keep him anyways. So, yeah, good point. Um, on the Jeff Green front, as I as we mentioned before, I don't expect him back. Uh, well, actually, that's I'm not sure if that's true. I, if if he is going to come back, I think he's going to have to come back at a reduced number. I, I think that that's probably where we're at with it because even if Denver doesn't bring back Bruce Brown and they decide, no, we're going to, we're going to use the taxpayer MLE so we could try to replace him with somebody on the outside, like bringing back Jeff green at a $5 million number, it pushes them up even closer to that luxury tax apron, uh, that super tax apron. Um, do you have the same feeling there or is that at least something that you're considering for Denver? Like, Hey, we, we want to try to bring you back uh, even if it's at the number that, Jeff Green wants. Yeah, I think uh, I'd probably say they won't bring him back for as much as he was previously making. Um, you know, we saw his role decrease with the health of Michael Porter Jr. and and things like that. And I think in an ideal world, Denver wants to see Peyton Watson or Zeke Naji take over some of those minutes, um, but they're not necessarily willing to bet on it. Um, I would say they could offer – I would just offer Jeff the minimum. So on the minimum for him, cash-wise, we're talking $3.2 million. Um, but Still okay. Yeah, it's not bad at all. Yeah. And But against your cap, it only counts as the equivalent of a two-year uh, veteran minimum, which is uh, just a tad over $2 million this year. So cash, he would get three point two, but against your cap, it would just be about two. Um, and so, you know, two million against your cap for Jeff Green, I think that's that's more than fair. Um, yeah. And three point two for him on his end, uh, you know, I think it's a pretty good deal for him at his age. You know, we'll see if he gets bigger offers. I'm not sure if he will. Yeah, we, I mean, he did just play a role in a finals team, so like, there's there is something to be said for a team that that just wants to have somebody like that around. But uh, that he's a guy that 
he definitely counts in that superfluous category of you cannot overpay to retain Jeff Green. Like that's just, it's just not something you can do as a team in Denver's financial position. So, okay. Um, Good stuff here. I think we should take another break. Actually, yeah, we're, yeah, we'll take another break real quick before hopping into big needs, players that they could sign, and and maybe even talking about that traded player exception that they have until July 6th. Uh, should be interesting on that front. But first, let's go to this message from Sandy and Sean. Hi, I'm Sean Drotra. This is Sandy Clough. Make sure you catch us from 2 to 4 p.m. every day on Mile High Sports, especially now, Sandy, as the Nuggets have the best chance ever to win an NBA title. It's basically all Nuggets all the time at the present time, but we talk all sports from 2 to 4 every day. That's right. Every team, every day, right here at Mile High Sports. Best chance ever to win a title. That's that's a gotta love it. Gotta love it right there. That would be fantastic. Um, <laughs> we we'll we'll see if they can actually pull it off, Jake. I, I think that they they should try to. Uh, but we're back. Pick axe and roll. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, really appreciate all the love, folks. Make sure to drop a like on this episode if you're watching on YouTube. Really appreciate that if if you've got that up. Okay, what are Denver's biggest needs for you? Yeah, so I'm under the assumption here, like I said earlier, that Bruce will be leaving. So that accounts into what I'm talking about here. Um, I think having a secondary ball handler is really important. Uh, You know, Bruce kind of took over that role after Bones left. Um, And, you know, I think it would be a hard bet to say, you know, we can rely on Colin Gillespie or Jalen Pickett or even Ish Smith even the combination of those guys, I'm not sure if it's like your best option. Uh, so I would say a backup ball handler is big for me. Um, and then uh, bench front court depth is probably second on that list. Um, prior to the draft, my third thing would have been sort of a wing shooter type of guy. Uh, Strother kind of fits that mold, uh, you know, to be determined if he plays right away, I'm not expecting him to, uh, but you know, you invested a first round pick in him. I'd like to see that, you know, pan out with him getting a little playing time. So that one's not as much the priority anymore. Uh, but those first two, a bench big um, and, a, and a bench ball handler, uh, I think those are the big ones. Yeah, I'm, I'm in lockstep there. And again, like you can't you can't have everything if, if you're a team. You can do your best. Uh, but Strother's a bet that they're making that he can pan out sooner rather than later. I don't know if he's going to be in the primary rotation, but I do think that he he will at least be uh, an option for, for Michael Malone to go to every now and then. But I do agree with you on the first one that a secondary ball handler or a second ball handler, somebody who in addition to Jamal Murray can run some pick and rolls, can run some stuff with Nikola Jokic is important. Um, that was the thing that they needed in these playoffs. They needed a second person to do that. Bruce Brown stepped up with that. He also wasn't the defensive liability. If anything, he was a defensive strength for them. So was a, a perfect fit for what they needed. And it, it kind of, I think, shapes what they're looking for going forward as well. Hopefully somebody that's, they're still going to be affordable on that deal, hopefully. But 
Uh, that's probably going to be a tough one. But then backup center, backup big, uh, just even the front court in general, because if let, let's say you do bring back Jeff Green at a reduced number, um, you still need somebody who could handle the center minutes during the regular season if possible. Uh, you do not want Jeff Green at his age to try to do that for 80 games. That just doesn't make sense. So trying to add some folks would be helpful. What can Denver afford to do? What what, what are the, the ways that they can do this? Yeah, so again, under the assumption Bruce is leaving here, um, they should have access to the $5 million mid-level exception. They'll also be able to sign any guys they want with a minimum contract, uh, which are varying amounts of cash, but usually about $2 million against your cap. Um, and then the last thing, which you know sounds like we'll dig into later, but uh, they have a traded player exception. It's worth $9.1 million, um, and that was from the Monte Morris deal. That one expires in just about two weeks, uh, so we will see if it gets used. Um, but those are really their three options uh, for, for outside free agents. They do have bird rights on some of their own guys, but uh, you're looking at those three things. So one of the things that they also could do is trade for somebody. Um, that's a little bit tougher, especially when we talk about the super tax apron. You talked about aggregating salary before. I, I'm pretty sure that we talked about that. Uh, but I do know that if Denver crosses that super tax apron, they can't aggregate salary on trades. So if they were to trade for somebody by, let's say, throwing together Zeke Naji and Vlako Chanchar, and they're like, yeah, we're going to trade those two guys for a player that makes $8 million, $9 million. And then when we sign all of our minimums, we cross the super tax apron. Does that make the trade illegal for them to do that? Uh, if, if that's, yeah. So basically the way the NBA looks at it is it's always where you end up and not where you are currently. Mm, um, so, okay. You know, for example, um, a team with cap space couldn't use their cap space and then say, oh, well, we're over the cap, so we're going to use the big MLE now because now we're over the cap. You know, that's not something that you're allowed to do. Um, that's why that certain moves trigger what's called the hard cap, meaning you can never go over this number. So, for example, under this next CBA, if you use that $5 million MLE or if you do something like aggregating salaries, you are then hard capped at that number. No matter what happens, you can't go over it. You also have to take into account incentives. So you can't have incentives that'll push you over. Uh, luckily, the only unlikely incentives for Denver going forward are about 200000 in Aaron Gordon's contract. So that's not a huge worry. Um, but yeah, it's always about where you end up. Okay. So they could technically do it if like there are some things that they could try. Um, but even still, there's just, there's a point of diminishing return with that. Unless like, like you're throwing out draft capital and things like that. So that's probably where this conversation really dies is that Denver, they don't have a lot of draft capital to throw out there for these trades. They don't like they use their 2029 first round pick. Yeah, uh, so I have them currently up. with a 2025, 2026, 2024, and 2030 second round picks. So four second round picks um, that they can trade. And that <laughs> is 
that is the extent of it. They could also do like pick swaps on some of their first round picks if they got desperate, but but yeah, those they're pretty tied up. Uh, so that that's what they're looking at. Okay. Um, yeah, if that's the case, then they they're they're pretty tied up for what they can actually do. Um, we've talked a little bit about the free agents that they should re-sign. Uh, they should try to re-sign Bruce Brown if they can, but that's probably independent of what they're they're really talking about here. Um, we've talked about Jeff Green. That's a guy that you probably should bring back. DeAndre Jordan, does, is he superfluous? Uh, Ish Smith, Reggie Jackson, Thomas Bryant, guys like that. Uh, are, are any of those guys catching your eye? I mean, I would keep in touch with all of them. Um Part of me thinks Thomas Bryant will get a little more than a minimum. You know, I don't think he'll get like a significant contract, but I think some team will, especially after Denver's title run, you know, centers are going to be hard to come by. And Thomas Bryant was really good on the Lakers this last year. Uh, I think he might get more than a minimum, so he's probably gone. But yeah, guys like Ish Smith, Reggie Jackson, um, I'd certainly keep tabs on them. Um, if you, if you get through the first part of free agency, uh, and, you know, you lost out on certain guys. I think it's always good to have your own players in your back pocket to bring back. Um, if I were to prioritize them um, after Jeff, it would be pretty tough. I would probably put Ish Smith second, just based on what we saw. Uh, but it's a pretty wide it's a, it's a pretty wide gap there, I think. Yeah, there's 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 not a lot to like look at and say, Hey, other than just being a good veteran, other than being a presence where you're, you're, you're feeling like they're, they're contributing in the locker room and, and off the floor. It's, it's not like you're getting a whole bunch on the court from that particular group. And I do agree that when you talked about, Hey, uh, you want somebody that's a second ball handler, a uh, secondary ball handler. If you bring back Ish Smith and then you add that secondary ball handler, you're, you're, rotation just to, or your roster immediately becomes a lot smaller in general. And that's just, it's just another something to, to really think about with that. So mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of layers to this. There's, there's a lot of things that Denver's trying to figure out now they're, they won the title. So like, that's, that's definitely like, this is a good problem to have if you're the nuggets and they're, they're not like panic stricken about it or anything, but they definitely have some things that they've got to work out. Uh, but but let's get into it. Let's let's talk through some of these actual names. I know people have been waiting around for long enough. Um, who are some free agents that the Nuggets can target if, let's say, Bruce Brown leaves and you're looking for the taxpayer MLE? Yeah, so, you know, getting out in front of this a little, I'll say I don't really like this free agent class a whole lot uh, for Denver specifically. Uh, when we talk about trades, I think there's a few more intriguing names in there um but a couple guys i highlighted um in free agency that i think would fit the budget uh this one's borderline uh but let me see shake milton from philly yep i have him he he kind of wants a bigger role is what's been rumored i have heard that philly's unlikely to keep him Um, If you look at his non-James Harden minutes this last year, so like when he wasn't on the floor with Harden, he averaged like eight assists per 100 possessions, which is not quite Jamal Murray level, who's at like nine point something. Uh, But it is above guys like Bruce, who was at like five point something, I believe. Uh, So Shake Milton was one guy I highlighted. Uh, 
Another name that will probably turn some people off, Patrick Beverly. I don't think you can take him off the, the table. I think you have to at least talk to him. Um, I also highlighted Joe Ingles. Um, I highlighted Danny Green, less as a ball handler and more just as a veteran presence. I think that was before the draft, before they got Strother. Um, yeah. But, yeah, and then uh, as far as ball handlers, I think those are the main ones. I know some people will talk about Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Um, I think he'll probably be a little too expensive, um, but we will see. Yeah, so good names there for for starters. I think you are going on the cheaper side for what I was like than what I was thinking because I do think that there's a possibility that Denver gets not not their pick of the litter or anything like that, but when you talk about what a what a free agent is going to want on on this upcoming season and in this upcoming offseason, they they want an opportunity on all likelihood to showcase themselves as the best version of themselves, get back on the market and make a bigger payday. So like if they're in that general range where you're in between the taxpayer MLE and the actual MLE, where you're going to want to try to push up as high as possible, but doing so in Denver might not be a bad idea. Like for a lot of these teams, for a lot of these guys, if you just watch what Bruce Brown got, like he's probably in line, like you said, make 12 million to 16 million for this next year. So there's, I think something to, shooting a little bit higher than a Shake Milton, than a Patrick Beverly, than a Joe Ingles, and being like, hey, why not talk to Dante DiVincenzo? Why not? Like, just, mm-hmm. just talk to him. Just just say, hey, we, we know that Golden State can't afford you, like, on, on your current number because of all the, the salary cap and luxury tax concerns that they have. Why not talk to a Dante DiVincenzo and say, we'll, we'll give you that same exact contract, and you can then get back out on there and you want to you want to make Bruce Brown money next year? Then go make like come play here. Um, but it's guys like that. It's guys like like I know Ao Dusumu is he's a guy that I wrote down. I know he's a restricted free agent, but they've got a lot of other things that they've got to figure out in Chicago as well. Um, I could say something similar for not similar, but Yuta Watanabe. Like he's a really good player. Does he fall through the cracks? Like, like, is, is he a guy that you start to look at and say, I could either go make $7 million playing for the Houston Rockets or I could go make $5 million playing for the Denver Nuggets and be like, cool. There, there, there are some of these guys that you can, you can now start looking at there. So that's kind of in the range that I'm thinking is you, you shoot a little bit higher on that taxpayer, Emily, and try to make it as valuable as possible. Yeah, I could see it for sure. Um, Io Desumu. I liked him a lot uh, when he was coming out in the draft. Uh, so I like that name quite a bit. Uh, when we get to some trade names, I think you'll, I'll, I'll have a little bit more to say about the Bulls situation. Because uh, oh, okay. I think that, I personally think they might lean towards keeping him and maybe getting rid of some more expensive guys. Uh, but we could talk about that later. Uh, but I definitely think all those guys you listed, you, you talk to them for sure. Um, and you, you put your, throw your hat in the ring. And you see if you can pull one of them out. Because, I mean, last year I thought Bruce Brown uh, would be too expensive. And they were able to pull that one off. So uh, right. you definitely never know. Like, It also could be the situation like last year where you're waiting until day two and teams have used all of their money, like the cap space teams and, and or, or like good cap space teams have, have used all their money, have used their MLE. And there's no more money for a lot of these guys. So I could look at it similarly with, Dennis Schroeder, 
or Gabe Vincent or Javon Carter. Uh, I'm looking at Alec Burks, Josh Richardson. Like I, I don't expect Josh Richardson to be available, but what if he hates New Orleans? <laughs> like yeah. they, they just don't want to be there. Um, Jay Crowder, like he, he didn't play well this last year, but he's another guy that you want a veteran. Uh, you can you can float out this six man role and say, look, you're going to play 25 minutes a night. You're that utility player that we're going to fit into everything that we do. And you are going to have a chance to win a championship. And I think that that's a valuable piece to this where you're, you're going to start to attract some really interesting names that I, I don't think people were really considering before. And uh, they, they do it to go to LA. They do it to go to a lot of these other places that are, that are more premier destinations. I think of Denver as a premier destination. I'm a little bit biased, of course, but like, I think of Denver with Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, a really great infrastructure, championship contention, and like a, a like you share the ball, you pass the ball a lot. Like I, I see that as a premier destination for somebody that wants to make a lot of money in their career. Yeah, no doubt. And you know, before we get too far separated from free agents here, it wouldn't be an appearance of mine if I didn't mention that Troy Brown Jr. is also <laughs> available. Uh the man shot 38.1% from three this year is all I'm saying. So I knew that shooting was in there. Uh, he was he good, man. I, he, I, he, I think the Lakers will retain him, but but we'll see. Well, they might, or or they might decide now we could we need that money for Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura. Like they yeah. like they if they can't throw anything more than a minimum at somebody, then that taxpayer MLE starts to look really good. So yeah. there's uh there there's something to that. I know that. He's a he's a free agent that they can retain. I'm pretty sure for 120. percent But like that, that's like there's at least something to be discussed there. So yep. I'm like, do I think that they're going to get Max Struess? No. Do I think that like do you make a call about Seth Curry? Maybe. Do you make a call about Tory Craig? Maybe. Make a call about George's Niang? Like somebody who played a big role for the Philadelphia 76ers? Maybe. Uh, there, there's a lot of guys or hell bring back old friend Mason Plumley, like just as a, yep. your, your steady backup center who can do a lot of the, the playmaking on the second unit in the way that Nikola Jokic does for the starters. Like there's ways that they could do this and get pretty creative. I do think that they'd rather have a ball handler, a creator kind of in the mold that we're talking about, but hell, I mean, we're, we're going to, we're going to figure out what that, what that's actually worth and what a spot on the Denver Nuggets is actually worth to people. Because I do think there are a lot of names when you look at the list of people like, Hey, you don't get the money that you're hoping for with your team or with the the team that promised you. And then they went to different direction. Come to Denver. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, for sure. I do think, uh, you know, Denver's reputation uh, after the championship will go up and, uh, I get the impression from the outside looking in that uh, like when Tim Connolly was was in Denver, I think agents do enjoy working with Calvin Booth because uh, he's pretty straightforward about his expectations and what and what he's thinking. So, uh, you know, I hope those relationships keep growing and, and they're able to pull someone really good. Agreed. Um, do you have any other free agents you want to mention or should we move on to the TPE? No, I, those were about it for free agents, um, non-ball handlers. You mentioned Tory Craig, and I, I had him as well. Mason Plumley, um, 
if I'm the Suns, I'm probably overpaying Tory Craig just to have another trade chip, but uh, we'll see what they do. Uh, not a whole lot out there in free agency, like I said. So I think you you about covered it for me there. Okay, then let's move to the to the traded guys. I'm I'm curious. This was like I, I found some players on the list that I thought would be pretty interesting, but sounds like you might have some other names for me. Yeah, I think you know there's to get the name everybody's talking about off first. Delon Wright, yeah, uh, you know, with the Wizards, he fits into the TPE. Wizards are that typical team that seems like they need to shed some salary because they're not going to be very good. So it kind of fits the whole description of what you'd think of when you think of a TPE trade, uh, like the Nuggets got with Jeremy Grant a few years ago. And then um, you give them you give them a second round pick for doing business, something like that, like the the twenty twenty eight second round pick or whatever, and that's yeah. it. That's all you need. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think the two situations uh, that most interest me. First one is Houston. Uh, so they drafted one of the Thompson twins, right? And they yeah. drafted Cam Whitmore, uh, yeah. who's more of a wing. But they have a lot of guys like right in that that archetype range, kind of those combo guards and forwards. And so the two guys I'm looking at are KJ Martin and Jay Sean Tate. Um, Martin, more of an inside the arc player. He can hit some threes, but I wouldn't rely on it. Um, He's only making about 2 million this year, uh, really cheap. And then Jay Sean Tate, who the Rockets ended up keeping last year, I think he's making closer to like six or 7 million. Um, but he's kind of that same, kind of like a similar size to Brown, uh, a bit different of a skill set. Um, but those are two guys from Houston that I was looking at. What do you think of either of those? Tate's on my list. Uh, I, I saw that name and I saw the salary number and thought, you know what? I saw what they drafted. I see them going after and making big eyes at James Harden and some of these other free agents. So they, they could be a team that Hey, you, you, you just want to take away some of that uh, that salary that they've got and, and just just take it away for free. And so you could clear some more salary to sign a second big name. Then go right ahead, Rockets. We'll uh, we'll take Jay Sean Tate off your hands, who probably doesn't fit into your future plans anyway and probably didn't before. But for some reason, you retained him. So uh, I, I do think that that's a great one. Um, Delon Wright is fantastic. Like that's that's the name everybody's going to really circle for obvious reasons. He is probably the best reprisal of the Bruce Brown role. If we're being honest, a veteran that you can trust secondary ball handler does a lot of great things on both ends of the floor. That would be ideal. Uh, Another guy that what about Killian Hayes? What about Killian Hayes? Just like a a random off the wall one where you're like, I have no idea what that's going to look like. I have no idea what, what Detroit's looking for, but they just drafted Osar Thompson. They have Jaden Ivey. Cade Cunningham's coming back. Killian Hayes, kind of a bust for them, but still talented and still good enough as a secondary ball handler that you could you could see him fitting into a role with some team. But what, what do you think of that name? Yeah, I've actually heard some people bring up that name. Um, I, I kind of recoil at first just because uh, – Every time I've watched him, he has looked very much not good. And so, you know, but I don't, admittedly don't watch a lot of Pistons games as much of a Cade Cunningham fan as I am. Uh, 
It wouldn't be my favorite pick. I got to be honest. Uh, just <laughs> the, the, the let me, let me read numbers. off the numbers for you. Yeah. Uh, 10 points, six assists, shot 37% from the field and 28% from three. Um, <laughs> 82% from the line though. So he's got the potential can, can still do it. Can still, uh, can still hit those jumpers if you need him to, but um, yeah, no, I think that's, that's one that like, it, it's still young enough and still kind of a, a secondary market that I'm thinking, okay, maybe, maybe there's something there, but it is a big risk if that's your big name. Yeah. And I'm looking at his, his contract. He's due a little bit over 7 million next year. That's a pretty hard number to swallow, uh, especially with the the super tax apron, because, you know, if you do that and you keep Zeke, you know, you might not be able to use a, uh, your taxpayer MLE just because of how expensive that Hayes contract is. So yeah. uh, admittedly not my favorite pick, but I have heard people bring it up for sure. couple other point guards that I want to mention, Patty Mills, Ricky Rubio, Cole Anthony, and Chris Dunn, a, a smaller number for Chris Dunn, uh, a name that, that my guy Swipa brought up on, on the pod yesterday. Uh, but I, I thought that some of those names were interesting. I don't know if what Cole Anthony's role is going to be in, in Orlando, but I just know that they continue adding perimeter players and he just feels like he's being phased out. Any of those names stick out? I mean, Cole Anthony definitely sticks out. Um, pretty solid player. Um, I would, I would really like that move. Uh, do you have an idea what that trade might look like. I'm curious. You could either do the TPE or you could just swap Cole Anthony for Zeke Naji. That would be like that, that to me, because they're both 2020 picks. Uh, one of them's a little bit more pricey than the other. Maybe you throw on a second round pick for good measure, but Zeke Naji feels like another guy that's kind of in there. Like their method is these big rangy athletes that they that they've liked historically, uh, and he plays a little bit of a role that they haven't had. So, um, would be interesting. Like I, that would be that would be the idea I'd throw out there. Okay, yeah, I could see that actually. You know, thinking about because I, I mean I don't think you can rely on Zeke whether you're the Magic or the Nuggets, but. You know, if you if you're the, I mean, I'm a big Najee fan. I'm just saying. Going <laughs> oh yeah, season. sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, people that follow me, they know I am, I am a big fan of Zeke Najee. So I really hope yeah. he does well. But I just don't know if you can go into this season saying, you know, yes, this is a rotation guy. Is all I mean. But uh, Orlando, you know, Jonathan Isaac is rarely ever on the floor, and so maybe if you're Orlando, you say. You know, we'll bring in Zeke and see what he has because we know Jonathan Isaac is probably going to struggle to see the floor, even though their positions are a little different. But yeah, now that you I brought struggle up to Zeke. see another uh, other couple of positions as well. Um, that's yeah. <laughs> there's there's something there. Um, no, keep going. But yeah, it, yeah, if they'd be interested in Zeke, I think I could see that. Uh, probably have to throw in a second round pick or two uh, on top, but. But yeah, I could see that for sure. He's the most intriguing name of those ones you listed to me. A few other guys. Um, Amir Coffey of the Clippers was just thrown out as a trade target. We talked about him last year as a guy 
that they could add. I don't think that that's a, like it's kind of in that archetype of of players that they have already. But like the Clippers were trying to move him, and they have this big massive bill that that is so going to come due because of their their luxury tax, and they have unlimited Microsoft money. So here's here's a way to get a little bit cheaper on on that front would be a decent option for them. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, those Amir Coffee, for example, we're talking, you know, half the price of like Killian Hayes or something. Uh, I think it's a little more stomachable uh, to bring in someone like that, that, you know, in the back of your mind might not contribute, you know, at that number of salary. I think you can take that and be pretty happy with it. Uh, so, yeah, I, I agree that those are some decent targets as well. Any other names on the the trades that we should think about? Yeah, so just a few that I wrote down. I said I'd talk about the Chicago situation. Mm-hmm. I know Nuggets fans clamored for Alex Caruso uh, around the trade deadline. Uh, I kind of do think he gets moved, but I don't know that Denver can get him unless Chicago really is just wanting to get rid of salary and that's it. Yeah, uh, He only fits into Denver's TPE for another five days and then when his salary kicks in for next year uh he is no longer able to fit in that tpe so all those combination of things probably not going to get him a couple other names i wrote down tj mcconnell depending Mm -hmm. on what indiana does um torian prince wrote him down yep he was i believe there was reputable rumors that when denver was trying to move bones that he might've been as part of a package coming from Minnesota. Uh, And then one last name that I wrote, this one's kind of out of left field. And I think it would just be like a one year rental, but it is Sadiq Bay because I do not think Atlanta will pay him because their cap sheet is really just a mess. Um, And so I think he might get moved because they won't want to extend him this summer. And so we will see if it ends up happening, but he was kind of my surprise pick as a possibility. The Atlanta guys, I didn't really give much thought to because of John Collins already getting moved, Yeah, but them continuing to go and just being like, cool, we're going to send out all of our guys. That's, that would be very interesting. I mean, I love Sadiq Bay. I think he'd be a great pick. Uh, Swipe also loves Sadiq Bay. Like that's that's a guy that he would he would definitely very much enjoy. I didn't even think that they would consider that just because he was playing like playoff rotation minutes for them this last year. But I, I don't know. Like may, maybe that's a, maybe that's an option. But yeah, um, it, was, it was really just one I was thinking about today because you know I was looking at their cap sheet after that John Collins move and. It's pretty messy. Uh, they got some bad stuff going on down there in, in Atlanta. And <laughs> apparently Sadiq wants a DeAndre Hunter type of contract. And I just think there's no way Atlanta can give him that. Yeah. Uh, if they were a better team, you know, maybe. Because, like you said, he was part of the rotation. And uh, if it was a successful team, I could maybe see it. But uh, And I also wouldn't see Denver giving him that contract either, which is why I say he'd be like a one-year rental if they I did was, I was just going to say, how many teams would actually give Sadiq Bey a DeAndre Hunter-level contract? Two, maybe? Yeah, yeah not very many. Uh, my guess is he'll end up 
going to free agency (laughs) next summer and not getting that type of contract unless he has a really great season, but we'll see. Honestly, he should have been in Detroit. Like it still makes sense for him to be in Detroit, but for some reason they, they weren't going to pay him either. So if they weren't going to pay him the team that drafted him, that that's a, that's at least a yellow flag for me. Yeah. Um, couple of other guys just to throw off the top. Um, Mike Muscala, I don't know what his role is going to be in Boston. Like seems like a cheap potential big man that they could go for now that Boston has acquired Chris Stapps Porzingis. Um, Willie Hernan Gomez from New Orleans. Always want to throw Willie on there because he uh, he could potentially be a, a nice reserve big man for Denver. Um I mentioned JaVale McGee before as a, as a take back option, but even like as a, well, actually he's had now two stints in Denver, probably don't want to make it a third for being honest. Um, (laughs) Tori and Prince, you mentioned Thaddeus Young is a little bit pricier than that. Furkan Korkmaz. um, Another, like, I mean, he's kind of that wing shooter that couldn't shoot last year for Philly. So probably not the right thing to go for if I'm Denver just given that you just added Julian Strother but I do um, think to to add on to Furkan Korkmaz if I remember right he did want to get traded at the deadline and there was some reporting out there about it so he, he yeah. probably is available oh yeah no there's there's no doubt and I mean they they went with Daniel House uh, that's the the guy that they decided they wanted to go for but um yeah I mean he, he'd be just a another reasonable option that's a little bit older that they could try to add but the names that we're talking about here folks they're not going to break the bank they're not going to change your life uh they are hey here is a potential option that they could go for that's a little bit younger hopefully or it's a veteran that you're like we need we need to add this group to our young guys that are already in house but i do think that like i could throw out cody martin as the like from the charlotte hornets but that's Maybe they don't want to pay him after he missed an entire uh, regular season, basically. But um, for the most part, I think you're you're gotta keep the keep the actual excitement pretty low, and I that's why I think the TP uh, the taxpayer MLE is a little bit more stable in in this. Like you could get those guys, but you also like those teams could just say no, we don't want to do that. Yeah, for sure. And uh, just to you know wrap up on the TPE here. Denver's TPE is the third largest right now in the NBA based on transactions that have gone through. Uh, so, you know, if teams are looking to shed salary, they'll look at cap space teams and then they'll look at TPE teams. Uh, so that comes into play for guys like DeLon Wright, like we talked about. Um, so Denver having one of the biggest ones for at least another couple of weeks, certainly a positive Um then my other thing is just more of a, a roster building theory. Uh, I hope if Bruce leaves that Denver uses this TPE, um, not only to get that level of player, or at least close to that level, but um, with these new restrictions coming in on the next CBA, I think you want to have lots of different salary levels you can trade to help kind of you know, keep your roster fluid so you're not locked into certain things. And, you know, if if Bruce leaves, the only guy between 5 million and 20-something million is KCP. So if you if you eventually have to do like a middle middle level trade, he's the only salary you can use without aggregating stuff. 
And so if you bring in a guy with this TPE, it gives you a one more player who's in that five to 20 million range um, where if things go wrong in the future, you have the ability to move that guy and get some stuff back in that range. Yeah. It's a great point. And why Denver is, is going to have to make the most of this, why they have to, like why there's a lot of pressure on this particular offseason once again, just to get everything right. Because now in this current regime with the CBA, the way that it is, you kind of have to get everything right, or at least close to everything right, if you want to stay at the top. So uh, my, my final question to you, should Nuggets fans be excited or worried about this upcoming day? June 30th is when everything kind of drops. Uh, it's going to be, I think, 4 p.m. Mountain Time is when, when that actually opens up for uh, it's six hours earlier than, than what actually midnight is. And so they decided to make it an event. That's when everything is going to flood in. In all likelihood, probably not before that, but uh, should be interesting. Should Nuggets fans be excited or worried about that day? Oh, excited for sure. Uh, you know, even if someone like Bruce leaves, I think, you know, if you're a, if you're a Nuggets fan, you should want your guys to outperform their contracts and you'll keep who you can, but you know, I think you want to see guys go out there and make a make a good amount of money for themselves when they've proven their worth. Uh, and so, even guys leaving to a degree, I think you're you're excited for it. But you know, I say be excited. And I know last year, a minute into free agency, DeAndre Jordan got signed, and it really killed a lot of people's excitement. But uh, I think Denver will be able to work around the margins here and bring in enough guys that we'll feel good about. Uh, the chances for Denver to repeat uh, in 2024. I'm looking forward to it. There's a lot to there's a lot to unpack. Uh, hopefully, we don't have the same negative reaction to DeAndre Jordan as we as we did the previous year, or <laughs> as we did last year. But no, there's there's a lot to I think be excited about for Nuggets fans, and and I think uh, I think think there should be some ho- hopefully some interesting names for people. That would be I think is the most exciting part of free agency is to. Uh, be wowed by, hey, I can't believe they got that guy. That would be a pretty cool thing for Nuggets fans as well. So should be interesting. But Jake, once again, you've been fantastic, man. Uh, you you mentioned the PDF. That is a it's must read for any Nuggets fan that's wanting to stay up to date on what Denver's stuff is and what they can really look for for, for this upcoming free agency period. So uh, whether it's out I assume it's going to be out either Wednesday or Thursday, right? Like just, just gotta, gotta get it before Friday. Oh yeah. It'll be out by Thursday at the latest. And you know, if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, I get even more into the nitty gritty and if you skim over it, that's fine with me. But my goal is to, to help people become smarter basketball fans. And I think that that report every off season helps do that. And so uh, just follow my Twitter feed. Um, I'll post the link to it. Uh, once I feel good about posting it um, and, you know, we'll see what happens this weekend. Awesome, man. Really appreciate it. Before you go, I, I got a nice, uh, I got a nice thing in the, in the mail today. Uh, just wanted to show that <laughs> off to the fellas uh, for everybody. That's uh, that's chilling out. Uh, make sure everybody is uh, enjoying the time. Like, <laughs> Don't don't think too seriously about this. Uh, this is we're just enjoying free agency. You don't have to worry too much about everything. Just uh, just enjoy the actual event. But everybody, I hope, I hope Coach Malone is making some royalties off of all these T-shirts from his legendary 
his legendary postseason and post-title run here. I certainly hope so, man. But everybody, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. He is Jake Coyne at Bronco Squatch on Twitter. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today, Jake. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's a great annual tradition that we have, and I am glad that we get to share it together. Hopefully, we get to do it again next year. Really excited, man. Yep, no doubt, Ryan. We will we will talk to you next year at least, maybe sooner. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. Everybody hit that like button on the way out. We'll talk to you guys very soon.